Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, July 11th, 2021, we begin our new series titled After Life. Today's sermon, What's Next, will be taught to us by Pastor Brendan Anderson out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Enjoy. I'm thankful to Bob and the teaching team for the opportunity, and I'm thankful for the teaching team and the meetings that we have. Just a little peek behind the curtain, um, we, every single week, we have a group of men and women who get together uh, in a teaching meeting to go over the three next messages coming up here at Highlands. We open up the Bible, we study the passage together, we pray together, everyone is submitting to one another uh, in unity as we submit to the authority of God's word as our source, and it's an amazing thing. So to have that team uh, behind and to be able to to, to workshop this stuff and get into God's word with them. It's, it's awesome. It is awesome. Um, and as Bob had said, uh, Pastor Bob came to me a couple of months ago now, and he said, hey, we're going to do a short little summer series uh, before we get to the fall, uh, and I'd love you to be a part of it. I thought, oh, great. What's it about? He said, well, it's about what happens after we die. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. That's great. Uh, couldn't we do something like top 10 greatest sayings of Jesus or something like that that's like... Something a little bit uh, easier. I mean, I had the same reaction, but here's the deal. Uh, the reaction that I had, the reaction that you might have to that topic kind of reveals the reason why we totally need to talk about it. Because the ideas surrounding what happens after our time on this earth in this life is over. Those ideas in our world are a huge, wide variety. It's diverse to say the least. And at the same time, it's not something that you bring up over casual conversation over, over dinner. It's just not something we talk about a lot. In fact, the more our culture has developed, uh, the more insulated from that conversation we've become. Uh, you know, a couple hundred years ago, when life expectancy was in the late 30s and most medical care happened inside your home instead of in a hospital, there was no avoiding the reality of death. But today, man, we live longer and healthier and more comfortable lives than at any other time in human history. And so we can delay the uncomfortable conversations. Or at worst, uh, we can think in our arrogance that somehow we can delay the inevitable arrival of our death. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a dad of two small kids. And when they were really small, like we didn't even want to buy them a fish before the kids were like age five, because those fish die fast. And then you have to have that conversation, right? I'm a wimp. But living in that denial that we sometimes are in, it doesn't change the facts. I read an interesting statistic on this. You ready? One out of every one person dies. That's the statistic. Um, unless Jesus returns first, and then praise God if that happens. But chances are pretty good. Uh, and then we entered the year 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic arrived, and then our culture went from suddenly, uh, every time you turned on the news or opened up your phone, you were confronted with daily death totals. You probably experienced this in the last year. We went from rarely, if ever, talking about it in the mainstream culture to talking about it every day for like a year for a year, and that conversation was driven by one common theme, fear. Fear, right? Fear of death, fear of the unknown, fear that somehow this life was gonna end much, much sooner now than we had planned on or expected or wanted it to, and it exposed this unhealthy perspective on death, which is really an, an unhealthy perspective on what our life is and what our life is all about. 
And our world, honestly, has yet to recover. I mean, these days, the the answer in modern culture is science, right? Science is gonna save us. And it's true, science has resulted throughout history in in treatments and helpful medications and surgeries, and it's raised the overall quality of life, and that is awesome. And so the world, though, is quick to celebrate that fact and then just move right back to just not thinking about it. Let's just not think about it. But the Bible doesn't avoid it like we do. The Bible, man, the Bible is our best source of truth for what is, for reality. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2, it says this, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. But I wanna encourage you, this series actually isn't about death. This isn't about answering the question of whether or not our time on this earth is gonna come to an end, because that's an easy one. The answer is yes. Yes, I can, I can take that one out right away. Now the big question is one that's been asked for thousands of years. In the Bible we read uh, Job, when he's going through his struggles, he asks it directly of God. He asks God, Job says, if a man dies, shall he live again? That's the big question. If a man dies, shall he live again? And we're gonna see in this series, the answer to that one is also yes. And so as people who are gonna spend eternity somewhere doing something, we need to make sure that we have an eternal perspective on the here and now. Our view of eternity should matter to how we live our lives every day, walking out of this room today. But before we get to those answers, what we wanna do in this first week is set some ground rules for this particular series because it's a little bit unique. So I wanna get some ground rules out of the way first. And the first one is this. Our answers are gonna come from the Bible, period. They kind of come from the Bible period. At Highlands, we teach the Bible, uh, and that's it. The reason for that is simple. We believe that the Bible is true. It's without error in its original writings. It is the word of God, the ultimate authority in all matters of faith and life. The things our creator wants us to know, he has written down for us through an eclectic and incredible group of people throughout history now collected in the Bible. And why do we believe that? Well, I wanna encourage you, if you struggle with that at all or the reliability of the Bible, if you have questions, I'd invite you to go back to our Worldview series in January. It's on our website, it's online. You can find it. The first week of that, Thomas taught through why and laid out all the reasons we have confidence in the Bible as God's word. And church, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, so check that out. It tells the story of God's redemption through of mankind through his son, Jesus Christ who was crucified for our sin and then raised to life through his own power because only God himself in the form of Jesus Christ has power over life and death. And that's gonna be important. So yeah, the Bible is very important. Very important, always. And the Bible is where we're gonna turn in this series for the answers to the questions we all ask when it comes to the end of our lives. Questions like, what happens after I die? Uh, Is there anything? Where do I go? Uh, is, is there heaven? Is heaven a real place? Is hell a real place? Or are these just things that religious people made up to control people? Have you heard that one before? Um, or how about this one? If God is good and God is love, why is there a bad place at all? Why doesn't everybody just get sent straight to heaven? Or here's a big one. How can we be sure? How can we be sure of any of this? How can anyone around us be sure? There's a Highlands member, his name is Craig Johnson, he used to work in the nursery when my son was a toddler, showed incredible patience and kindness, love, love Craig. He doesn't serve in the nursery anymore though because he developed a couple of years ago, developed ALS. And ALS is a degenerative disease that just, it has no cure, it just slowly wipes out your body systems one by one. 
Doesn't stop Craig, though. Craig now serves as a small group leader, right? And he was actually in our little Easter video montage that we did celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and what that meant. And Craig simply said this. He looked at the camera and he said, death has been defeated with joy. I know my destiny. Is it that simple? Is it that simple? So here is our layout. Today we're gonna talk about what the Bible says about who we are and our lives, both our physical and our spiritual existence, and we're gonna gain ourselves some much-needed perspective for the series to come. We're gonna learn that we're far more than just our physical existence. And then next week, we're gonna talk about heaven. Where is it? Is it a real place? Is it up in the clouds? Is it somewhere in space? Does it have streets of gold? Or do we all get harps? What's with the harps? Uh, I wish it was saxophones. What's with the harps, right? and here's a good one. How about people who say they've been to heaven, right? They've, they've been to heaven, but then came back through some medical thing. They were, they were dead for a little while and then came back. What do we do with those stories? We're going to look at that. We're going to talk about that. And then the week after that, week three, we're going to talk about hell. And you're probably thinking, okay, that's the week I'm going to skip then. <laughs> but please don't. Please don't. That's probably the most important week of all. Uh, because there is no greater stumbling block for so many people than the concept of an eternal suffering. I mean, can, can you explain it if somebody asks you about it? If a family member asks you, are you clear on it yourself? Or does it maybe cause you to doubt God's goodness? Or is it even questions that you just don't even want to ask? Because church, let me encourage you, ask the questions. Ask the questions. That's how we grow in faith. We turn to God's word for answers. We ask the questions. In fact, throughout this series, we want to provide you a forum by which to ask questions as we go. Even today, we're going to put this little thing up on the screen. I think there it comes. Zoop. Okay. Uh, You can text in questions throughout this series to that number, and we'll leave it up long enough that you can grab it if you want it. And it'll pop up periodically throughout this message and the messages to come if you've got questions you want to. Because our teaching team then can sit and talk about whether we're addressing them in which particular message or if at the end we want to do a little Q&A, we'd love to know what your questions are as we go along in this series so that we can grow in faith together. But also about week three, when we are talking about hell, man, that isn't going to be an amazing week. Do you know why? Jesus. We get to talk about Jesus, right? Humanity was headed for destruction and God made a way to be saved from it, not through a series of tasks but through the blood of a savior. We just got done singing songs about that. That week is gonna have really good news. And then in our final week, we're gonna answer the question, how can we be sure? How can we be sure? And how can we be sure of all of this? How can we have confidence, uh, the confidence that Craig has, my friend in the nursery, to be able to say, I know my destiny. And if we can be sure, what about the people around us? What do we do? Because you see, when we start talking about eternity, our perspective on the world and the people around us, it starts to change, and that's where we're headed today. So that's the first ground rule, the Bible, period. Second ground rule, no guessing. No guessing. We won't teach things that aren't in the Bible. Uh, We're not gonna teach you our guesses. Okay, the Bible contains everything that God wants us to know about him and his kingdom while we're here on earth. And we're gonna learn incredible things through this series over the next few weeks from the Bible, but there are also gonna be some things along the way, some questions along the way that the Bible doesn't give us full and complete answers on. And you might be like, whoa, hold on, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, we need to keep our trust in the one who wrote the book. All right, it's his agenda. It's his agenda, not ours. 
In fact, he reminds us of this more than once in the Bible. Uh, the best spot is Isaiah 55. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is the creator of the universe. God is infinite. The Bible says his wisdom is unsearchable, and our brains are five and a half inches wide. All right? Can you accept that there are some things that God understands and controls, and, and we don't? Or in our arrogance, do, you, do we think that we should just know and comprehend everything in the universe? I hope not. I mean, when you're, if you've got a, a little baby, six-month-old baby starts to cry because they're hungry, and you go and you whip up a bottle and you put it in their little hands, they don't say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You need to tell me exactly how you made this thing appear. No, they just grab it and they start eating, right? And if that's the difference between a, a baby human and an adult human, how bigger is the gap of understanding between us and the creator of the universe? 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way, It's a great reminder, kind of the theme verse for this series. Paul says, for now, in this life, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, after, we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. God is saying, trust me, trust me. We say it to our kids, God says it to us over and over in his word. As we go along, uh, I wanted to prepare just a helpful slide for when we run into this type of thing, uh, these questions that are really hard to answer that the Bible might not speak to. Uh, You know, Jeff always puts these cool charts up that walks you through something, so I wanted to do something similar. So here it is, ready? Let's see that one. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, This phrase is such a negative in our world right now, isn't it? No one wants to say, I don't know. That's why we have Google, right? I don't have to say, I don't know. I'll just ask Google. But in so many matters of life, saying, I don't know, is the first step towards humility, first step towards wisdom. Saying, I don't know, in the face of a difficult question, it doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're anti-science. It doesn't mean that you should be excluded from all the conversations, right? It just is a recognition that we don't have all the answers. And sometimes, in these spiritual matters, we're not intended to. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? Because we're gonna teach you what the Bible says because it contains all the answers that matter, all the answers God wants us to have. And beyond that, we're not gonna offer you our guesses. And by the way, in some of these matters, when we get into the weeds, faithful Christians will have uh, different points of view as to what happens based on God's word. And we're gonna do our best to be honest when those uh, moments, when multiple perspectives exist on some of these secondary matters. But the core truth Man, that's gonna come directly from the Bible. There is no question. But please be careful when somebody offers you uh, their guess or worse, tries to pass their guess off as fact or as truth because in the realm of spiritual matters, this can lead down a really dangerous road and that leads us to our third and final ground rule for the series. Third rule is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Um, Our world is full of people, some well-intentioned, but many who are not, who walk into these matters of life and death and spiritual matters without the guidance of the one who created all, without care for God's word, and the result is disaster. And God takes this very seriously. Uh, On the screen, Deuteronomy 18, it's very clear here. This is God's law in Deuteronomy, what he's designed to protect his people. 
And God says, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. That's good advice, okay? Uh, But check this out. Or anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying don't go seeking spiritual powers or knowledge from a source other than God himself. And unfortunately, that's what the first king of Israel did, King Saul. If you know that story, uh, Saul was in a battle and he wasn't satisfied for how long it was taking God to answer his prayers. And so Saul went and consulted a medium to communicate with the dead himself. And stop a second, because I don't want you to miss this. If you are praying earnestly for something, if you are waiting on God for something, something that means so much to you or somebody in your family, and it just feels like God is taking forever or God is silent or you're not getting answers, man, your next move should not be to go seek answers apart from God or in direct opposition to what God's word says to do. Even if you're in the desperate places, just don't do it. Okay, because things did not end well for Saul because of his disobedience. And I know uh, these days it can all look so harmless. You drive past the psychic reading place in the strip mall, uh, your buddy uh, on Facebook got a new set of tarot cards or something, or you're up in Sedona and that person in the New Age crystal shop, they seem super cool and like they have life all figured out. But church, we're gonna learn in this series that there is a spiritual realm that is beyond the physical. Okay, and that spiritual realm is populated by those who obey and serve God, but also by those who are enemies of God and who seek only death and destruction. That's why 1 John 4 says this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do we do that? How do we test the spirits? How do we evaluate the Facebook posts that look enlightened or the YouTube uh, video that you stumbled on down the rabbit hole? Well, church, you need to know your Bible. You just need to know your Bible. Paul tells us in Ephesians to put on the full armor of God, and that includes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And why do we need the sword? Well, because Satan and his demons are liars, and they're against you. The Bible says Satan's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It says that he disguises himself as an angel of light and his servants, demons, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Deception is at the core of who they are. Now, you don't need to fear the spiritual realm, that spiritual realm that is against God. You don't need to fear it because that realm trembles at the name of Jesus. We just sang it, all right? If you're in Christ, you can stand firm with confidence in the one who defeated death. That's the assurance that we have. But you do need to fear God. You need to follow his commandments. Don't open yourself up to the spiritual forces that seek your destruction. If you go home after this message and your curiosity is piqued, and that's great, but let it drive you deeper into God's word, not deeper into YouTube, okay? It's a dangerous place to go down. We would be thrilled to point you towards some biblical helpful resources. In fact, we've got one uh, today and for this series. Um, We've got a book that we're fans of. It's by a pastor and author, Erwin Lutzer. And uh, Erwin wrote this book called One Minute After You Die. It's a quick read, it's concise, it is biblically sound, full of Bible and extremely helpful in all the areas that we're talking about throughout this series. So if you'd like to do any further reading on this, that points you towards God's word, this would be a great one. We have some at 
Info Central, you can get it online as well. So you can check that one out. But those are the ground rules, if we can agree on that, all right? The ground rules are we're teaching the Bible, period. Uh, Two, no guessing. And three, don't be deceived. Are we good with those? Okay. Then I want to get this series going with just three quick points that help us have the right perspective on what happens after our life here on earth comes to an end, Just just to get us started so that we can start answering the questions in the weeks to come. First perspective is you are not your body. You are not your body. And some of you are so relieved by that statement, right? You are not your body. Uh, But let's be honest. Our culture is getting more and more uh, secular all the time, and the idea that there's an an existence beyond the physical, that's becoming really unpopular. Our culture is kind of overtaken by what modern science would call physicalism, this idea that everything, including our consciousness, is a product of the physical realm. And humans are just complicated biological machines, and once that biological machinery shuts down, primarily our brains, uh, that's the it. That's it. That's, That's the end of our consciousness, right? There's nothing more. And it might seem rational because the things that we experience day to day, it's what we can see and smell and hear and taste and touch. And and so how could there be anything besides that? Certainly science would have some sort of evidence for that, right? Well, funny you should ask. Researchers out of the University of Virginia, they're in the area of neurobehavioral science. About a decade ago, they they began to compile all of these decades' worth of physiological data in this area. They didn't have any religious or spiritual affiliation at all, just empirical scientists doing a data study. And after analyzing that data, one statistician said it was inarguable that the data showed that human consciousness does have an existence apart from the physical body. Now, they didn't know what to do with that information, That's what the data showed them. But this isn't a new revelation for Christians. I love the way that uh, pastor and author George MacDonald said it. Way back in the 1800s, he said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. God tells the prophet Ezekiel, behold, all souls are mine. Uh, God created our physical bodies and he created our souls. He has the authority over his creation and that includes our bodies and souls. Uh, 1 Peter 2, Peter reminds the church who they are in Christ. He says, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 2 Corinthians 5, the apostle Paul is reminding them. He says, so we're of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. God's word is telling us that the essence of who we are is not our bodies. Now, please don't hear me saying, though, that your body is insignificant, okay? Because your body was created by God. It was designed by him to house your soul. And if you are in Christ, also to house the Holy Spirit who lives inside each of the believers, all those who know Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. But the Bible is clear that God's primary concern is for our souls. Jesus makes it clear in his ministry as well. In Matthew 10, he's talking to his disciples about how some people, uh, as they go out, are gonna completely reject the gospel message, sometimes violently reject it. But he tells them to have no fear. Why? Check this out, Matthew 10, 28. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear men. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear God. Be right with God. The Bible is clear that we are spiritual beings and currently have a residence 
in a physical body. And that's actually really good news because these bodies we have right now, they ain't gonna last. They're not gonna last. And why? One word, sin. Sin. God created mankind. Adam and Eve, he created their bodies and breathed life into them. And life was very good, but then something happened. Adam and Eve decided that they didn't want to stay within the boundaries God had set for his creation. They wanted to decide for themselves what was right and what was wrong, and they disobeyed God, and they sinned, and through that sin, death came to their bodies. In Genesis 3, God lays out that consequence. He says, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Our bodies decay and die because of sin. Death and disease became the reality for humanity. And if that was the end of the story, man, that would be a tragedy. But God was not finished with humanity. And we sang it in our new song. I love that new song that we sang today from John 3.16. And I hope that your Bible flops open to that passage from from being used. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, we are made alive. We, meaning our souls, our bodies, they'll still die. It's a consequence of sin. And with our bodies in our flesh remains all those desires and habits that are tied to death outside of God's design. And we're gonna wrestle with those things in this life. But if we are in Christ, the essence of who we are, our soul is made completely new. 2 Corinthians 4 says it like this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, body, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul reminds the church that our bodies are gonna experience physical suffering, but praise God that we can take heart, that we will one day be set free from this body of death and experience a brand new life. Now, some of you Bible prodigies out there who know the full story are probably squirming a little bit. He's like, well, there's more to this body thing. There's, there's a resurrection and there are new bodies. And you know what? You're right. There are, but we're going to save it for next week. All right? I can't get to that today. That's going to be next week. And you're going to want to be here. Honestly, you're going to be amazed. Uh, in fact, anybody who has a gym membership to try and like maintain this thing, uh, this is so good news next week. All right? So be with us. <laughs> be with us. I hope it's abundantly clear, though, from the Bible that, uh, and even supported by some empirical science these days, that we are not our bodies, uh, and we actually do go on to an existence after death. So what is that existence, and where do we go? That brings us to point two. Everyone goes somewhere forever. Everyone goes somewhere forever. A lot of people stop reading at John 3.16, but I want to keep going into John 3.17. It says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he is not believed in the name of the only son of God. All right, so the Bible makes it clear that the line is drawn at Jesus Christ. And because of that, there become two groups, those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who don't. Those who accept the the gift, the free gift of God's grace through his son, through a faith and trust in Jesus, and those who don't accept it and therefore just simply continue on the path of sin and death, physical death and spiritual death. Now, Jesus is clear about the destination of those who are in him. John 14, he says, in my father's house are many rooms If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? There's a place for us. 
And now you might say, well, that's a simplified view, but what about these uh, other religions? What about like past lives? And what about reincarnation and, and all these other views that exist out in the world? Well, church, this is why we need to, to cling to the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ above everything else. You might say, well, why? Why does, why does Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, get to sit above everything else? Well, the answer is, in all of human history, there's only one person who has defeated death by their own power, and that is Jesus, all right? And so Jesus is the only one with the authority to instruct us on matters of life and death. And we need to guard against deception, both the superficial kind from people who are just trying to take advantage of us, and also the spiritual deception that can come from demonic forces trying to convince people of something for the purposes of evil. In Hebrews, it says clearly, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever teach the idea that people return to a new physical life here on earth after they die. Uh, how about this? When Jesus was on the cross, there are two thieves crucified at the same time. And one of the thieves looked over and he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And he said, Christ, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, hey, good news, tomorrow you're back on earth for round two. Okay? And it follows logically from the gospel also that that wouldn't be a part of God's design. Because reincarnation is built on this idea, on the premise that we get a physical do-over, right? A chance to return and do a better job next time, to work our way towards heaven or God's favor or whatever spiritual goal we're trying to attain, to work towards it. Any red flags going up for anybody at this point? I hope so. Uh, the Bible's clear. It doesn't matter how many do-overs we might get. They're, we're dead in sin, uh, in Romans, it reminds us that none is righteous, no, not one. We are incapable of saving ourselves through good deeds because no amount of good deeds will allow us to achieve the perfection of God. And that's the standard. So come back and do a, another run at life, you're gonna fall short. Do over number seven, you might be a little nicer, you might give a little bit more money to charity, but perfection, no mistakes. We would be right back where we started but God, but God. There are two destinations and God by his grace made a way for us to experience life with him forever. In Matthew 25, then Jesus also lays out a lesson that's pretty sobering to hear. He's talking about the end when he returns and he again talks about only two groups, those who are righteous and those who aren't and at the end he simply says plainly in Matthew 25, 46, he says, and these, the unrighteous, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now we're gonna flesh out uh, the details of those destinations and the questions, all the questions surrounding those in the next two weeks to come. Again, week three of this series is so important, so please, please don't miss it. If you're out of town, uh, make sure to, to catch us online. Uh, but here's the last question we're gonna take on today. If we are all headed for an eternal destination anyway, then what's the point of our, our time in the physical here and now? What's the point of it? And the last point is this. Point three is this life is temporary, but its result is eternal. This life is temporary, but its result is eternal. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and then he passed along that mission to his disciples and started the church. And when we say our mission is to love God, love people, and make disciples, that needs to be a daily mission and that only works if our eyes are firmly fixed on the fact that we are eternal souls. And so are the people around us. 
And this is one of the hardest perspective shifts uh, of all because we get wrapped up in the here and now and what we're doing. Uh, But the apostles, the guys who walked with Jesus during his ministry, they had this perspective. It permeated everything that they did, that they said and did. Look at some of these uh, on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Or in John 6, Jesus says this. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. It's an eternal perspective. Uh, Last week, even Pastor Mark was up here. He reminded us that we are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven. While we're here on earth, we're, we're aliens, we're exiles, and we're also representatives of Christ while we're here. First Peter 2 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, but keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. They might see what you're doing and glorify God because of it. So the disciples knew that this life, it was just the beginning, right? A chance to give glory and worship to God in the things that he puts in front of us to do. To take on his mission, to share the gospel, to love others, to serve others. And while that mission is not easy, sometimes it's downright hard, the result of that faith in Christ is an eternity of presence with the one true God who is love. That is an incredible hope. And the apostles never lost that eternal perspective. So our eternity should always be involved in the conversation. I love this verse from James. It's the last one that we're gonna look at today. James 4, verse 13 through 15. He says, come now you who say, hey, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I love that perspective. What is your life? What is your life? You're a mist that appears and then vanishes. Uh, Pastor and author Francis Chan shared this illustration that I wanted to close our time with because it's such a powerful, powerful thing. So all credit to Francis Chan. I borrowed this, but it's gonna be a great way for us to think about this. And this is just a rope that I have here. And I'm gonna bring the the team out here too because we wanna sing to end our time. This is just a rope I have. But imagine that this rope trips Flora. I almost sent Flora to her eternity. (laughs) Imagine that this rope goes on and on forever, for eternity, all right, this rope. But this, this red part right here, This red part of the rope represents our time physically here on earth in the here and now, right? In comparison, it is so short. But we get so wrapped up in what's going on in this red part, don't we? I mean, we gotta get the kids to soccer and the in-laws are coming into town next week and I got the big work project that's due and, and you know, We gotta work hard too, because if we work really hard during this part here, that means right here we can live a really good, comfortable life. But look at this. If we if we thought that our reality, if we if we focused on the fact that our reality is this, not just this, would that change how we see some things during our life, day to day? 
somebody cuts you off on the freeway, you can get so mad. It's like the world is ending. But how short is this? You're in line of the drive-thru. You just want some waffle fries. It's so long. <laughs> or how about this? You're working. You're on that work project deadline, right? And, and your coworker busts into your office and just wants to talk because they're stressed out. You just want to get your project done. Or you're late getting out the door and your kid spills something all over the floor. We can see these moments as just, just quick little vapor-like mists that come and they're annoying and they go insignificant. We, we don't even remember them the next week. Or we can see those moments as opportunities to point ourselves and others in the direction of eternity. Every single moment. That coworker, if we're on God's agenda and not ours, that coworker, you might be the only caring, kind ear that that person has that week or that month or that year, right? That could turn from a mild annoyance into a conversation that has eternal significance. Or maybe your kid is having a meltdown because they don't want to put their shoes on to go out there. It's always the shoes. They don't want to put their shoes on. They're having a meltdown. And if you're only focused on, man, I'm five minutes late from where already, then it's probably just going to be some yelling, maybe threatening to take something away. I say those because that's probably my first instinct. But if eternity is part of that conversation, is it worth being five minutes late to sit down and find out what's going on with that little soul, that eternal soul? To let them know that you love them, no matter how big that tantrum might get? To let them know that Jesus loves them even more than that? Because every moment here is an opportunity to make an impact here by the grace of God through the power of Jesus Christ. Can we have that perspective as we go through this series this month? I hope we can. In fact, we're gonna sing a song to close our time together that has that perspective. We haven't sung it in, in over a year, but it has this great repeated line that says, till I see you face to face and grace amazing takes me home, I'll trust in you. Right? We're living that God's kingdom would come while we are here with our eyes firmly fixed on eternity to have an eternal perspective. Church, eternity, eternity can be our perspective when we remember who we are, who we are in Christ, the promise that we have, the incredible hope that we have through God's word, through Jesus Christ, through what he did on the cross for our sake. Church, if you are here this morning, maybe you're relatively new or you have questions or you're just, you're like, man, I don't, that white part of the rope, I'm not sure. Man, we would love to talk to you. We've been singing the gospel all morning and that's on purpose, right? We would love to pray with you to help walk you through God's word on that. But church, as we walk out of here today, don't get so wrapped up in this that we lose sight of this. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, God, it is incredible that you made a way for our eternity to be secure with you forever through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we, we confess sometimes we take that gift for granted. We just don't have it top of mind. Would you help us to keep it top of mind, to walk out of here and to live our lives, the things that you put in front of us to do as we live, to do those things in light of the eternity that we have with you forever and to show your love to the people around us, that we can live for you in all that we say and all that we do. We can only do that, God, through your power and your strength to help us do it. 
And so we would pray that that would be our heart and that you would guide us that way this week. We pray all these things in the name of the one who secures our eternity, the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Church, go out, live in light of eternity. We'll see you next week.